Hello and welcome to the Producing Healthy Salmon podcast. I'm Ben Garth, Key Account Manager for Aquaculture at MSD Animal Health UK. Whether you're a salmon farmer or work in the aquaculture sector, this is the place to get the latest information, industry insights and practical advice on salmon production and fish health. As technology advancements develop within the aquaculture sector, the collation and use of data has many positive functions. Data allows producers to keep accurate records, monitor fish health and welfare, and ultimately improve efficiency and productivity. Today, we're joined by Jimmy Turnbull, Professor of Aquatic Animal Health and Welfare at the Institute of Aquaculture at the University of Stirling, and Dr. Ian Beryl, Head of Technical at Salmon Scotland. We'll discuss how data is currently being used in the UK aquaculture sector to support productivity while improving health and welfare, as well as what can be done to make more of it. Ian and Jimmy, thank you very much for joining me today on this podcast. Is the concept of collecting and using data on farms being implemented across aquaculture sites in the UK at the moment? I can start, I think. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, yes. And it has been, well, for many years in actual fact. Data's front and centre to most of what people are doing on a day-to-day basis, right from collecting what some might consider is quite sort of basic requirements for for natural farming, understanding the weight of the fish, the size of the fish, the feeding of the fish, um, their health and welfare, right up to sort of increasingly sophisticated sort of data collection now around environmental monitoring. And it really is, I think, a a key part of the industry and and why the industry has been so successful to date, I think. Yeah, I I completely agree with that, Ian. And I, I think that what people outside the industry often fail to appreciate is just how technologically sophisticated the industry is. And I mean, aquaculture industry and the data it produces is is almost the definition of big data. There's just an enormous amount of data produced, not only because of the size of the, you know, the number of animals involved, but also all the uh, environmental information. And while the data can always be used better, it's already used very effectively across the industry, both, you know, sharing within the industry and also sharing with outside bodies like regulators and auditors and all the rest of it. We, we were actually, um, just before I, I came on, Jimmy, I was, I was actually having a look at the, the two bits of farm management software that, that we use and I mean, or, or that the industry use, sorry. And I think there's, there's primarily two and these are just massive pieces of software which which hoover up data and increasingly the companies that have those are looking at different ways to as jimmy says you know these are big data sets you know how you crunch that information into sort of bite-sized chunks and these bits of software have always got new bolt-ons new add-ons so that they can start looking at this the the more fine detail of, of what they get yeah we i mean we also we use one of those big software packages. I'm not sure if we're allowed to mention it, but uh, we use one of those software packages for our fish research facilities. And uh, yeah, very, very powerful tools. But, you know, that that comes down to the to the big challenge of using data in any industry, not just in, in aquaculture, but it's the human data interface that's the, the challenge. You know, how do you make these massive data sets actually help people to do the job better and make better decisions. Yeah, that's very interesting. And given these huge data sets that we're collecting, do you see that we're constantly developing new ways to use the data and currently finding out uh, sort of, oh, we've got this data we've been holding for a while. Um, oh, look, we can do this with it now. And sort of finding new ways to to examine what's going on with the farms. That's a really interesting question, Ben, because Ian and I started working together on exactly that, using data that was kind of sitting on the shelf and trying to help the industry. At that time, it was the trout industry, use those data to uh, to try and make better decisions. And, and I think that's 
that's just been a constant theme uh, in UK aquaculture, isn't it? You know, better collection and better use of data. Yeah, and 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 it, it's a real challenge. Aquaculture scientists and and those production managers, the health managers, they're all fully aware that they they sit on huge resources, which they use a lot. They use a lot of aspects, but probably by their own admission, they they focus on key things that they're used to using and that give them the best sort of return on on their time. And and it really is a balance between how much they can invest in interrogating that data and how much they've got to do their day job and, you know, making sure that the balance is right. And I think that's obviously what, what Jimmy's alluded to, you know, that I think that's where science and, and academia can come in and help sort of think about how the data that we collect, which we're perhaps not using at the moment, can be really helpfully utilised for the industry. As, as Jimmy said, you know, we, we, we've got involved in, in a number of activities and, and one of which, you know, back, well, it must be 15 years ago, looked at, for example, freshwater stocking density data. You know, that that was data yeah. that the industry hadn't really got the capacity to look at in any detail, but was was keen to sort of review where the stocking densities were at. And so, you know, I worked briefly with Jimmy, but Jimmy's team led this piece of work, which essentially has resulted in real tangible change in terms of the stocking densities, which are defined within the RSPCA assured scheme. So, yeah, ensuring that there's that 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 balance between what producers and what those working at the coalface can essentially do with their time and then how they can get the other data that they have looked at is 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 a is a fine balance and and it's the area we're always looking for you know we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're next it's a kind of interesting process isn't it maybe you know the industry collects data sometimes because they can or, or sometimes it's just purely a byproduct of what they do and um you know, doing something with that data sometimes is is just pure research. It's just you know you it's an academic activity to try and find out what the data means and how to use it. But hopefully, and and there has been evidence of this working well in the industry. As you start to understand the data, then it turns into tools that the people on the sites can use and interact with. You know, the guys running the farms, their day job is not analysing data and uh, and 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 doing fancy sums and modelling and all that sort of stuff. What they do is they try to take care of the fish. And what the data has to do is to help them to do that, not get in the way of them doing that. And so these effective interfaces between the the, the staff in the industry and the and the data are really important. And there's some great examples, but there's still plenty to do. And and I think I think the the, the equipment suppliers as well linking in. Yeah. are starting to get really good at this, you know, realising that the computer isn't the only way of, of feeding information to people, you know, the use of apps, the use of new pieces of software, the, the waterproof iPad or whatever it is that's on the farm, um, everybody's got their phone, you know, making this information accessible in bite-sized chunks, you know, doing all the crunching of the numbers and giving the output. The output is what the men and women on farms need, you know, to tell them, right, that's what I I now know what I need to do in reaction to that. And having that easily accessible is something that I think companies are are getting really good at. Yeah, brilliant. And touching on the, the recognition of the data, you're mentioning the farmers, you know, their job isn't to crunch the numbers with it. But do you think they are understanding the importance of this information that they're getting out of the data being crunched by other people when it's fed back to them? Yeah, I, I think another thing that often surprises um, people outside the aquaculture industry is just how well educated your average fish farmer is. There is 
an awful lot of the the industry that has a, a very high level of education, you know, higher education, either degrees, MSCs, PhDs, all the rest of it. And admittedly, that's not the case for every stock worker, but there are there is a lot of highly educated people in the industry, and uh, and I think they they not only understand what's been done with the data, they often drive it. You know, the big companies have data modelers who are, you know, world-leading experts in environmental modeling and things like this, and 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 then going down to the people like the farm managers who are obviously are not often, I would say, usually very highly educated people. So yeah, I, I think they do understand fully. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Ian? Yeah, I, I, without a shadow of a doubt. And I was actually thinking of, a, of like an interesting example of, of where things are developing. And we look at particularly freshwater recirculation facilities and the level of understanding, monitoring and, and development in this area of assessing water chemistry is phenomenal. I mean, I, I've been to industry events where farm managers, area managers, those in, in charge of these systems talk, stand up and talk about water chemistry and, and, and they kind of blow my mind up. I have not a clue what they're talking about in terms of the sort of speciation of the different elements and compounds and, and such like. And it, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that there is a general acknowledgement of the importance of data uh, by farms and, and those working on a farm. But I think there's also a, a real interest and, and people... Uh, working at the coalface, as I said before, can really get a, get, a, get a sort of a buzz for this and realise once they realise the power of that, they, they really do start to get involved in the data. A, a, an interesting side anecdote is we've been quite interested in understanding wildlife interactions and wildlife interactions has historically been reported in the in the in the farm diary you know or we, we saw we saw this we saw that and it's really valuable stuff actually in terms of sort of how you interact how the farm interacts with the environment social license a whole whole pile of areas but i was on a on a farm uh, last year i think it was and and the manager and the farm workers it, it's kind of like their their sort of competition every day you know what can we you know what can we find how do we record it when do we first find the first sort of different thing that's flying by i mean i think somebody had reported a the first bee they'd seen and 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 just collecting this data and getting enthusiasm for that data is is so important and and it's kind of where the first level of buying comes you know and and actually out on the sea cages is the opportunities for for seeing some really spectacular wildlife is is tremendous i mean you know you know, people have seen even well certainly minke whales and stuff like that and harbour porpoises and dolphins regularly but i mean even killer whales and stuff like that swimming past or yeah yeah great i think the the other thing they mentioned there Ian, that i think is a really important point is this um you know the, the freshwater recirculation systems which are becoming increasingly important for the production of smolts and have a whole bunch of advantages in terms of you know reducing environmental impact but they are massively complicated and complex systems. And uh, in order to to maintain and run those systems, you really need to have constant interaction and feedback with the data. And, and you know, the more complex the system, the easier it is to fail. And therefore, the, the, sophisticated, the sophistication of the management systems has, has increased dramatically. And, and I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I've, I've worked as an academic for the last 35 years, and I speak to some of these guys that are running these freshwater systems and and they are absolute experts in water chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, research is only, only going to get bigger in the future. 
Um, so I guess the real question with research is to what granularity do you expect data to be required moving forward? Or we just don't know yet. We're going to have to see as these systems get more complex, how much more data we're going to collect and of what sort of data and you know, where, where do you see it going? It's the old, it's the old challenge of, of data or interacting with data, isn't it? I mean, they used to they used to say, remember reading at one point as fighter planes became more sophisticated, the heads up display became ever more complex with more data, and it got to a stage where there was too much data and it overwhelmed the pilots and they became less efficient. And I think it's exactly the same in terms of interacting with the data on farms. People need to have it in a usable format. And so the data, I, I feel, will be collected due to automation and sophistication of technical support systems in ever increasing detail. But what's presented to the people and how the people interact with that has to be not simple, but intuitive. You know, it has to be something you can relate to. And, you know, one of my favorite topics is the fact that data and technological sophistication never replaces good stockmanship. And, you know, a good stock person has an intuitive or empathetic grasp or, or understanding of the animals. Data or technological systems will never replace that. What they should do is they should support and enhance it. So, you know, that, that kind of interface where, you know, it actually helps people to do what they do better rather than overwhelming them with just lots of numbers. Yeah, and, and I think you, you've touched several really good points there, Jimmy. I mean, I think the the point around automation is is really the direction of travel, you know, in, in, particularly in these these big systems, um, making sure that data can be or information and analysis can be performed with with, with less sort of involvement of of the farmer on a, on a hands on basis. Although I'll caveat that in a moment, but you know, areas for example that, that of, of interest as well with regard to things like lice counting, you know, we, we count lice every pen, probably. 10 to 20 minimum fish per week assessed for their lice loading automated systems can which which that, that's a that's a large number of fish per week and per year but automated systems can greatly enhance the number of fish that you're actually assessing without any any requirement to take them out of the water and, and that data is hugely valuable because you get real-time trends and i think automation Automation is really important because it's going to help with that, as, as Jimmy said, that interface between getting information in a nice, manageable, succinct manner to the to the people who need to use it. But automation shouldn't be relied on heavily or it shouldn't be relied on solely. You know, it needs to have an ability for for those working with that information to override it, not only override the information that's going in, but override the decisions that come out. And it comes back to that Stockman piece. You know, we've we've been looking with, with Jimmy and others as to how we sort of move from in terms of welfare assessment from uh, looking at, at, a, at sort of operational welfare indicators to, to positive indicators of, of welfare and stockmanship is that you know I, I don't think there's been a day where I've not gone onto a farm and chatted to the people working there and you know they, they instantly understand how their fish are that day you know whether things are right they never know whether things are wrong or something needs changing and and we we need to always have that ability to override or for that person to override what a, an automated process is telling them i think yeah that, that i mean that you make a good point there and actually it, I, I think it's one that that that's worth repeating because 
the automation and the technological sophistication don't re don't replace the expertise of the stock person, but what they do is reduce the necessity to mess with the fish. You know, so you're not handling them, you're not having to take them out of the water. You you know, you can collect data remotely, and and we're only at the start of that process. But the, as Ian says, there's already ways that the the people can use their the stock person expertise by without having to net a fish out the cage and anesthetize it and handle it and all those sorts of things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that 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 sort of making it easier for the fish, but at the same time enhancing that stock person expertise is a really really important of all the uh, important aspect of all this. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point that you're raising there and a good thing to highlight. So we've talked about how this data is used on a farm level for welfare and and helping farmers look at their fish and grow their fish without handling them so much. But how is this data collected used on more of a sort of overall sort of macro level within the industry for you know, for looking at legislation and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of the data we collect is is provided and made available at, at a macro level. I mean, actually, all of the regulatory controls in place, if data is collected, particularly through the environmental regulator and the health regulator, that information is all made available and that that's available in in fairly a fairly raw format actually where it's published and that that does allow for interpretation of that information and, and i suppose one of the directions of travel that we would like is is better context around that information that's collected at a, at a regulatory level and, and and that's something we we need to kind of engage with but yeah i mean we we are strong advocates of policy being driven by science and i think that's something that that professor griggs picked up on in in his sort of recent review of aquaculture you know we we need to be driving forward decisions on policy and regulation that are backed up by evidence and and that's where we can you know we can support an interesting area of development is is for us is in regards to our into our our, our environmental interactions uh, and specifically around seabed interactions. And, and there's a developing regulatory framework in there. SEPA um, have got a new regulatory framework, which is a, is a positive move. It means we have a better understanding of, of our real impact. But we're also doing a lot of work on measuring or new ways of measuring that seabed, looking at environmental DNA, for example, which is going to greatly increase the resolution with which we can assess the seabed. It means we can more quickly confirm to SEPA that we are in compliance, but it also means we can use that data to better manage our farms. So, I mean, it's it's massive for us um, to make sure that that data is collated and used appropriately and it's not used erroneously, which which I think we, we, we all know that happens sort of with, with, with those who, who sort of seek to make a bit of mischief with regards to the industry. But so long as we always focus on ensuring that we use good data in the right way to drive forward decision making and policy, then I think that's that's the thing we have to just keep pushing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the I, I've worked in the past with epidemiologists who have uh, have a background in terrestrial animal species, poultry and dairy cattle and stuff like that, and they have been unanimously amazed by the openness and sharing of data across the aquaculture industry, the, at least the, the, the salmon industry. The, there is, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of cooperation, and and a lot of that happens through Salmon Scotland. That you know, there's there's working groups with prescribing vets and things where where a lot of potentially confidential information is shared within the industry. There's a really great example at the moment of how the industry is 
progressing and developing by the, the sharing of not only data, but just understanding. Uh, one of the companies at the moment has, has put a lot of time and effort with a commercial supplier of equipment into more humane slaughter of fish. And, and they've developed a system which involves pre, um, pre-slaughter electrical stunning and concussive stunning and then observation post-stunning. And, and it stands up there as a great example of, of humane slaughter compared with anything that's available in terrestrial farming. And that company is making that information freely available across the industry. People can come and visit the site. They can even see the records of the site. And th- there's this kind of attitude in the industry that fish welfare is not a commercially sensitive issue. It's something that the whole industry has to improve. And so that that sort of really um, cooperative, constructive attitude to innovation is, is, I mean, there are sensitive issues. There's commercially sensitive information. But I would say that the aquaculture industry, the Scottish aquaculture industry, is probably much better at sharing these things than than, than most other industries I have experience of. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something something that we're we're, we're proud of and and hope is is recognised. Um, as Jimmy said, you know, we part of our job is to understand what what's pre-competitive and what's 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 competitive and, and where that line sits. And and as as Jimmy said very clearly, health, welfare, the utilisation of of that data is is very much in the the pre-competitive domain in particular health and welfare is 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 not is not something we should be competing over um and, and it's not something we do so um that that data is is hugely valuable as i say back to the point about sort of driving forward decision making on farm but also driving forward hopefully appropriate policy development you know and i think yeah absolutely the, the best examples of data sharing are related to health and welfare i think well the probably because those are the ones I'm most familiar with. But uh, And that sharing is not only within the industry, but also with external bodies. I mean, the, the relationship between the salmon industry and RSPCA through the RSPCA Freedom Food Scheme, which subsequently was the RSPCA Assured Scheme, has been a tremendously formative relationship and resulted in in welfare standards that are absolutely world leading and have been copied all over the place in, in many different countries because they are world leading and that so it's not only internal sharing it's also sharing with external bodies for for the greater good yeah brilliant no it's very interesting to get both of your insights into the way this data is being used uh, it's really interesting to hear but i think we'll we'll wrap it up there thank you but thank you so much for your time Uh, It's been very informative. It's been great to have you on and look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Producing Healthy Salmon podcast. We'll be back soon, so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your chosen platform and follow us on LinkedIn for regular sector updates and information. See you next time.